pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. And now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. I feel like we were just talking five minutes ago on Friday. Does yeah. it feel that way to you? Like yeah. what? What? We were not apart for two whole days. No, the weekend just really blew by. Yeah. And I uh, and I got to warn everybody, you, Don Cooper, everybody. I, I am probably going to be very emotional this week. Okay. Oh yes, because uh, graduation. High school graduation is next weekend, and I it's just everything is like hitting me like. When I dropped her off at school this morning, I realized mm-hmm. it's the last Monday. It's funny you mentioned so that because, like, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, last week, you know, my son, my nine-year-old played, he didn't play hooky Friday, but he, he got sunburned at the pool on a field trip mm-hmm. with school last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thursday, he was fine, but, oh, Wednesday, he was so sore. So I said, okay, well, you can come with me to work because you're not going to oh. sit home doing PlayStation all day. That's not how it's yeah. going to work. So I was explaining to him what senioritis is. And yeah. you may know a thing about this as well. He didn't know what that was. And I said, well, this is when you're your senior year. You're right up against the end of school. And you just you don't know how you're going to make it that remaining two, three, four weeks. <laughs> and he says, well, I think I have third grade-itis. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably in his mind, this is, yeah, it probably is a real thing. But uh, wait till he gets to senior year. Yeah. No, so I know. It's, I, well, now I, I they make everything. Feel. The schools make everything. I ha- people are saying, "Oh, my child had kindergarten graduation," and I'm like, "No, no, no, no." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's just the end of kindergarten. That's not kindergarten graduation. If you you're know? going to the same school the next year, we can probably pause on the celebration. No, can we just? Yeah, can we just say you're promoted to the next grade? Yeah. But uh, now, <laughs> there's no senioritis for. I don't know how they're doing it uh, at every school, but like she literally has finals. The final few days of really? school. There's no. I, I seem to remember, but I could be wrong. That toward the end of our senior year, it almost didn't matter anymore. You know, like you showed up, you didn't show up. You were your grades were in, your college stuff was in, right? I mean, you. I, not that you could completely blow it off, but but the, those final days were kind of just putting in the time, right? My last day of school, I still remember it. And I was doing, believe it or not, this was a theater final for theater arts. Mm. Mm. Didn't have the best teacher in this one, but I Mm. was the last student leaving the building about 35 minutes later. I was walking through the papers in the halls because of that thing. Yeah. So it went all the way down to the wire. Yeah. Down to the wire. That's how life is. All right. So I'll just, I may go off on somebody or be irrational. More (laughs) more irrational, I should say. Um, so welcome to our show. Welcome to Monday. Um, the On Friday, while we were talking about whatever we were talking about, um, the legislature approved Senate Bill 12, and uh, I know you've heard about this. Senate Bill 12 was originally crafted to um, restrict uh, kids from being at drag shows, and that is still how most people understand it. Um, the The main thrust of this is to punish business owners 
and potentially performers if kids attend a drag show. The drag community is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, um, you guys changed the wording, and now it seems to um, apply to any sexually explicit performance. They were arguing about it in the legislature, and one member said, well, what if I want to take my kid to a Miley Cyrus concert, and they uh, have sexually suggestive dancing at the concert, like my niece went to... uh, I forget who it was. Some some current star uh, went to a concert on Sunday. Um, here's here's the thing. We're going to talk about this. I want to talk about this, but I want to preface this whole thing by just making an observation. And I don't know if I speak just for myself or not. It is crazy that we would even have to debate or pass a law that says children should not be at a drag show. Do you realize how effed up that is, that we are having this discussion? That This is not normal, okay? I, I have, and, and, and people try to conflate it into, well, you're against art, and you're against drag, and you're, I, I don't have any opinion, I don't have any position on drag. But, a normal, healthy, functioning society would not need a law about children at a drag show. That should be for grown-ups. And you should drag yourself crazy. If you want to drag it out, drag it I mean, do it every day. Do it every night. I don't care. I, I'm not interested in regulating that. I'm not interested in prosecuting that. I'm not interested in even hearing about that. But whatever you think of this bill, the reason we are at the point we are at is because adults who should know better are promoting and permitting kids to see these things. And again, I'm a live and let live guy. I I, I consider myself, to me, we should have fewer laws, not more. So whenever I hear about a new law, right away I'm like, do we need this? Is this necessary is this something the government needs to regulate uh, and i would really like to be able to say no we don't need a law for this we parents know best and parents will protect their kids and so forth and so on but i guess the reason we may need this law is because we're having drag queen story hour and schools are bringing in drag shows and not telling the parents and so forth and so on so I- i'm i'm going to say this and i don't know if this is if this jibes with the language of the law or not. I would just say this, and you tell me what you think. Parents should raise their kids. Parents can make decisions for their own children that I might disagree with or find questionable, but it's none of my business. But hell yes, if you are promoting an event like this, if you are admitting children to an event like this, if you are bringing an event like this into schools, I want culpability, I want liability for the adults. No way. And it's it's insane that we even have to talk about this. It's insane that this is even debatable. I'm sorry, but even if you're LGBTQ, that whole thing, you should know that kids do not need to see this. They're not ready for this. It's inappropriate for them. Let them grow up, and and if they choose it, fine. If they don't, fine. That's how it should work. There were, um, I want to point out, I think in support of the position I'm taking, 
that in the case of the um, House vote, several Democrats sided with the Republicans, including uh, Phil Cortez from San Antonio. So good for him. And good for any Democrat that, that broke with his party or her party on this issue. It also, to me, and I know this is a sensitive subject for some people, I cannot believe that we we would need to regulate or have legal language for transgender surgeries on children. And again, to be clear, I am not talking about adults, although I have my opinion about that. But it is, am I the only one that finds it just, how did we get to the point where we're debating this? How did we get to the point where there is another side to this? where there are people saying, no, 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 I think children sometimes need to have their parts cut off and uh, altered if that's how they feel at that particular moment. It is, and we're in Texas. And you've probably heard the stories about how Texas Children's Hospital in Houston is now under scrutiny for doing things that maybe they weren't supposed to be doing on children as young as 10 years old. 10 years old. I don't know about you, but when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I was not smart enough, world-wise enough, savvy enough, experienced enough to make any decisions of a lasting nature about my life. And I wasn't allowed to make any, and you weren't either. And it's insane that we're doing this. It's insane that this is debatable. So do we need a law? I Sadly, I guess we do. Should we need a law? No. The fact that we're debating making it a law says a lot about the condition of our society right now. Tell me what you think about that, 210-599-5555. Did you ever consider that when people say white supremacy, they're really just saying whites? I've been kind of cogitating on this for a while, and... I finally come to the conclusion that 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 is what it means. White supremacy is a way of saying something about white people. But if they take offense, you can go, well, I don't mean you. I mean white supremacists. So the president, when he spoke at Howard University the other day at the commencement, said, and this was, a, this was bitten out of the speech and made into a big news story, the most dangerous terrorist threat to the, to the country is white supremacy. And in saying that, he is saying what most Democrats believe. He is saying what our military leaders believe. He is saying what the director of the FBI claims to believe, that the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. If you just take the word supremacy away, he's saying the most dangerous threat to our homeland is the whites. I, I don't think there are that many white supremacists that if they all got together, they could pose a, the most dangerous uh, threat to our homeland. And ostensibly, they're not all together, right? So what are we really talking about here? What do we really mean when we say this stuff? When the president spoke of the poison of white supremacy, 
What are we saying? And somebody pulled together uh, from the Census Bureau some interesting statistics. This is from 2021, the most recently available year, I assume. It's median household income by selected racial and ancestry groups. And white Americans' median U.S. income for 2021 was $75,000. For Indian Americans, it was $142,000. For Taiwanese Americans, it was $119,000. For Filipino Americans, it was $101,000. For uh, Sri Lankan Americans, it was 96000 For Chinese Americans, it was 93000 Japanese Americans, 88000 Indonesian Americans, 87,000. Korean Americans, 83,000. Thai Americans, 79,000. I, I guess what I would take from that is that the poison is not working. The oppression is not working. When you look at how real people from all these different ethnic and racial groups are doing in our country, they're doing well. So if you still want to talk about the poison of white supremacy or the, the perniciousness of whites, I guess you can, but it doesn't seem to be holding back the actual people you claim to be defending or caring about, and I know you don't care about them. And then there's this. You know that Ron DeSantis is about to announce he's running for president because right on cue, I mean, you could have seen this coming from... 100 miles away, the NAACP has issued a travel warning for Florida. Black Americans should avoid Florida, says Leon Russell of the NAACP. Black Americans need to know, he says, that Florida isn't safe for them. It turns out, by the way, and I didn't look this up, but somebody looked this up, uh, Florida leads the nation in black-owned businesses. Now, Florida is not the most populous state in the country. I don't know the exact rankings, but obviously California has more people. Texas has more people. New York has more people. But for whatever reason, they have the most black-owned businesses. So those black business owners apparently don't know that they have opened up in the wrong state. They probably didn't feel like they were in the wrong state back during COVID when blue states were closing businesses and forcing people out of business. It probably felt like a pretty smart place to be during 2020 and 2021. I don't know. But obviously, DeSantis now has to be worse than Trump, worse than Hitler. His state has to have a travel warning attached to it. A friend of mine who's a big DeSantis uh, fan uh, made an interesting observation. I was talking to her about this, and she said, well, they're not going to be able to pull this with DeSantis because unlike other states, if you're if you're the governor of some other state, and you run for president, they can tell all kinds of lies about your state. But Florida is a state a lot of people visit, a lot of people have been to. And I thought, that's really true. It may be harder to lie about DeSantis and Florida because Florida is not some place you've never heard of or been to. Like if you, if you tell a lie about Arkansas, most people have never been to Arkansas. If you tell a lie about Nebraska, most people have never been to Nebraska. Florida is a state probably, if not most people, a very high percentage of people either have been there or know someone who's gone there or visited there or vacationed there. So you're going to have a little bit harder time. This is your theory. You're going 
going to have a little bit harder time lying about it. It's probably true. The NAACP really was something at one time. Uh, it was a force. It was independent. It was uh, feared and respected by politicians on both parties, whether it was FDR or Truman or Ike or Kennedy or Nixon or whoever. I mean, they spoke from a, a, a moral uh, sort of position that was outside of the political party alignment. And um, I just think they've fallen so far to where they are now just a division of the Democratic Party. They're just an arm of the Democratic Party. I could probably go out into the street and, and give people quotes or talking points, and you wouldn't be able to tell if it came from the DNC or the NAACP. So this this stuff about... Uh, Florida is a scary place, and don't go there, and get out of there if you're there. Um, it, it, we you, we know the drill here now, okay? Anyone who's conservative is a white supremacist. Anyone who runs for president as a Republican is bad for black people. Their state is bad for black people. They will put you all back in chains, said Joe Biden in 2012. So, you know, we, we, we know, and and, I, and everybody knows. I'm not worried that uh, black people are packing their cars and leaving Florida. If you're in Florida, you know whether it's the right place for you or not. You don't need the NAACP to tell you that. I don't think people that have plans to go there to go to Disney or whatever are, are going to change their plan because there's a travel advisory from the NAACP. And, and so my point about this is not so much the actual defense of Florida as it is how sad that this is what we've come to. We, we have essentially devolved to a point where the Democratic Party thinks it can tell black people what is good for them. Now, it's debatable whether they ever represented what was good for them. Maybe at one point they did. Certainly at some point they did not, i.e. Jim Crow. But at this point, I'm content to just fold my arms, lean back, and and watch as people can figure this out for themselves it, it it is pathetic it really is the other the other way you know by the way that desantis is going to run is politico did a whole story a big in their it's like their magazine i guess they did a whole story about um and i'm sorry i'm blanking on her name uh but it's desantis's wife i think her name is casey or carrie uh, and how she's going to be a real problem for him. <laughs> so, um, first of all, political spouses apparently are back in the game again. Nothing can be said of a critical nature about Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. But we're talking about Casey DeSantis. Yeah, the headline is, his greatest asset and his greatest liability. And... Um, Ron DeSantis' wife is going to play a very prominent role in his presidential campaign. Some of his supporters wonder if that's an entirely good thing. Boy, we weren't worried about that with Hillary Clinton, right? That wasn't, that, that was an unalloyed good thing. She's great. Look at her. She's no Tammy Wynette. But the story goes on to say that Casey DeSantis has a great deal of influence over uh, her husband. I guess I'm trying to keep up with you feminists. I, I thought that was a good thing. I thought you uh, celebrated women that 
uh, stepped in and became, you know, that worked like a team and they're a duo. And I thought we were for that. Are we not for that anymore? Is that not good anymore? Only good ones the other side. Is that it? I mean, you want to talk about a political spouse? Can we can we talk about Giselle Fetterman, <laughs> who pretty much is the senator from Pennsylvania? Um, but yeah, I I think by comparison to the enabling going on with Mrs. Fetterman and Mrs. Biden, I, I would think uh, Casey DeSantis would have to get up pretty early in the morning uh, to be uh, as as much of a power, much of a force as either of those women. But I don't see Politico worrying about those women. I haven't. I guess I missed the article where they did 12 pages of hand-wringing about Giselle Fetterman. Mm. JR poll question powered by River City Oral Surgery is, do you support a Texas law banning children from drag shows? Esteban is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Just for the record, I do not identify as a a breakfast taco, but I did spend time with a lot of hipsters (laughs) who would actually... (laughs) Send their kids to a drag show. Uh, I, I I actually spent time in a town where they had the drag show at the restaurant in North Texas. And here's just an observation: there is a huge hipster quality to it. And mm. just uh, there's a Bible verse that comes into my mind: professing to be wise, they became fools. And mm. that embodies a lot of the negative aspects I saw, frankly. Let's do a two-for-one comment. The whites, liberals, I saw in Denton, and they at times do not realize how absolutely stupid they sound. I remain in contact with some of the crew that were very left of center in Denton that I graduated with, and at times it's like, where's common sense, and how dare you think yourself as smart? Well, let me go back to the first thing you said, uh, that there's a hipster quality or uh, angle to, hey, uh, we're so with it and current and modern that we took the kids to to a drag show event, uh, you know, on Saturday. Um, I I really don't know what to do with that. I know you're right. I know there's people like that. Um, And they're probably the same people that drag their kids to BLM rallies and dress their kids in rainbow shirts and stuff. But the the clear, the, the point we're at now is that we have to debate something that we should know instinctively is bad for kids. This would be like, Esteban, this would be like if we had to pass a law that said you have to feed your children. And and that that's that's my dilemma with this. Yes, I support it because we, as he pointed out, we are at a point where there are now too many. It's not just a few weirdos. There are now too many people that that don't get this. But it is sad, and it is a bad sign that we are going down the road of of passing these laws. By the way, I I know that politicians virtue signal on both sides. So I know that for Republicans, this is a big virtue signaling thing. I, I, I get that. I know that. We understand that. Okay? And and that's why we don't have very many politicians on this show, you may have noticed. Probably far fewer than, than most radio talk shows. Because it's all virtue signaling. Almost everything they do is, hey, look at me. I'm doing the right thing over here. Base. Okay? My people. My peeps. I, it's just boring. 
The part I, I can't wrap my head around is that we have so many adults, so selfish, so egotistical, so um, into you know making a statement about who they are that they think kids need to see this. Not just should be able to see it, but need to see it. We need it in the schools. We need it in the libraries. And again, just to be just so we're all straight on this, if you're an adult and and you're a man and you like to dress up as a woman, I don't I'm not asking for a law against that. I'm not going to interfere with that. I won't I, I won't be in attendance, but I don't if that's your thing, do your thing. If you can draw an audience, draw an audience. Frankly, it's not my thing because I don't think you look like a woman. You look like a very poor imitation of a woman. Until we run out of actual women, I would prefer to see actual women who know how to wear makeup, who know how to wear clothes, who look good in those things. Uh, you don't look good in them. You look like you don't know what you're doing. You look like an, an obscene parody of a woman. You don't look like a woman. You're, it's not like, whoa, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have guessed. We're not talking about like trans people that can pass. We're talking about drag queens. It's over the top, right? You know, everything is turned up to, to 11. The hair, the boobs, the makeup, the mascara, it's all, you know, all the way. It's your thing, it's your thing. But no, kid, there's no place for kids in that. And it's just unbelievable to me, I, I'm sorry I keep saying this, that we're debating this. I would have thought that would be obvious to everyone. I think it is obvious to most people. Like, I actually think, I'm, I can't back this up, so don't ask me for a statistic or a citation, I actually think probably most drag performers know this and, and either either publicly or privately would agree with what I'm saying right now, which is this is just not for kids. Just like I think most LGBT people actually agree with me on most of the stuff we talk about, whether it's what should be in the schools, what should be taught, what should be... I, I, I think most people are reasonable. I think most... I'm not giving up on the whole society, but it's just amazing to me that there would be so many people that would argue such a ridiculous position. So we can talk about that, 210-599-5555. I guess, you know what I want to play? Don, do we have the um, you have the Dave Chappelle thing? Were you able to fix that up, clean that up? This was something that Dave Chappelle said a while back, the comedian Dave Chappelle. And he was talking, he was telling a story, and he tells this story a lot, and he told it in his Netflix special. But he had met a woman who was a fledgling comedian named Daphne. And he had a conversation with her about the whole uh, trans thing, experience, phenomenon. And um, let me just play this, because this, th I think this is a good summation of kind of where my head is at on this. Cut number three. It became like a conversation between a black man and a white trans woman, and we started getting to the bomber all them questions that you think about that you'd be afraid to ask i was just asking them and she was answering them and her answers were funny as shit. crowd was falling out of the chairs and, and at the end of the show i go oh daphne i said well that was fun i go i love you to death but i have no idea what you're talking about the whole crowd laughed except for daphne now she looks at me like i'm not her friend anymore like i'm something bigger than me like i'm the whole world and the guy and she said i don't need you to understand me i said what 
She said, I just need you to believe, just like this. She goes, that I'm having a human experience. And when she said it, the whole crowd kind of gasped. And I gave her the Fight Club look. I said, I believe you. Because she didn't say anything about pronouns. She didn't say anything about me being in trouble. She said, just believe I'm a person and I'm going through it. You know, I believe you because it takes one to know one. So, whatever you're going through, go through it. But you don't have the right to mandate other people to go through it with you. Period. I don't think that needs any qualification or explanation. Does it? Is that, is that pretty clear? You do what you're doing. You go through what you're going through. Everyone's going through something. We don't always know what it is. Everyone's carrying something. Everybody's laboring under something. And in most cases, we don't know what it is. You're surrounded by people that are living through incredible dramas, their health, their money, their family, their marriage, their, and, and you don't know. But you can't make, or pardon the pun, drag other people into it. That, that's not okay. That's not freedom. And I, I like the term human experience. I don't want to interfere with anybody's human experience. But I, I, I'm not in favor of mandating it or um, involving children who are not old enough to make a choice and can only be confused. And that's why we're having this this they're proposing this law in another era we would not be having this discussion not because politicians don't virtue signal but because it would be so obvious and that's the stunning part of this uh so poll question you support a texas law banning children from drag shows senate bill 12 is making its way through the house and senate uh, there's some controversy about what exactly it covers. Is it just drag? Is it other things? Could it be applied to stuff that may be far afield? Uh, do we need this law? What is your take on that? Steve is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Steve. Yeah, Steve, you there? Okay, I guess not. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um, Mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, was on one of the Sunday shows, I think it was Face the Nation, complaining that his city is unfairly carrying the weight of all these asylum seekers. When you look at the price tag, we're paying. We want $350 million in federal aid, he said. We've spent over a billion dollars, he said. We're projected to spend close to $4.3 billion, if not more. I don't know if these, these numbers sound like they're just made up, but let's just assume for a minute, because I'm trying to be a nice guy, an emotional guy, but a nice guy. Let's assume that Mayor Adams is telling the truth, that New York City is going to need $4 billion to deal with the illegal immigrants that have made their way or been shown the way to New York City. Let's just say that's true. And the numbers say that they've got about 30 or 40,000 of them that they're dealing with at any one time. If that's true, if that's true, how the hell 
Is Brownsville supposed to do what they're doing? Is El Paso supposed to do what they're doing? Is San Antonio supposed to do what they're doing? Is Laredo supposed to do what they're doing? I'll bet it's really hard when you're right over the border. If New York City is breaking under the pressure, if the city with the Statue of Liberty in its harbor, if the give us your hungry, your tired, your poor can't do 30 or 40,000, my goodness, what are they doing in these little Texas towns? It's a miracle. In fact, I guess Eric Adams should just come down here. And he can stay at my house. And visit these places and see how they do. How are they making it work? Or are they making it work? I just love the fact, I can't get over, that the biggest city in the country can't handle one day's worth of what El Paso gets. That the biggest city in the country declared itself a sanctuary city, talked their head off about it, which meant, in essence, they were asking and then couldn't do it. They were proclaiming that they would take it on. In fact, isn't it interesting that every single place that proclaimed, we can do it, we care, we love these people, when they actually got the people, oh, this is a terror, this is a problem. Remember when they went to Martha's Vineyard? Was that last year that DeSantis sent some of them up to Martha's Vineyard? And Martha's Vineyard sent them to a military base like they were terror detainees. There were only like 40 or 50 of them, I think. It was a very small number, but it, was, it overwhelmed Martha's Vineyard. They, I guess they were just completely, just completely discombobulated. The most powerful, wealthy people in America, their summer playground, their weekend playground, you didn't, you, there was nobody in Martha's Vineyard with all that talent, all that expertise, all those CEOs and, and um, you know, investors and brilliant people. They couldn't figure out blankets, pillows, sandwiches, bottled water for 50 people. So I guess sanctuary city doesn't mean what we thought it meant. Um, I, I guess it's kind of like um, it's kind of like an honorary thing, you know. <laughs> like they'll take. It's like when they have the sister city programs. We're not really. We don't really want your problems over there, your city in Japan or whatever. We'll be your sister city, but we're not really going to help you with anything. We're just your sister city. That's what the sanctuary city thing is like. It's, it's just it's honor. Like they take one illegal immigrant. Show him a good time, you know. Maybe put him in a put him in a hotel, take him to a Broadway show, a couple of nice meals. But we don't want we don't want all these numbers. It's amazing. Big uh, political headline uh, this hour: uh, Hillary Clinton saying that President Biden's age is an issue, a legitimate concern for voters. Mm-hmm. He has just responded. We just got this. Uh, he, when asked about Hillary Clinton's comment, his response was, is she still alive? So, <laughs> I, I guess. I knew this uh, was going somewhere. No, no love lost between those two. But, guess not. Uh, leave, leave it to Hillary. Boy, kick him right in the shins. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. 
I, I got to play this for you because uh, this really stood out for me. And I try not to watch, and I usually don't watch the Sunday morning shows. I should watch them for doing this job. I should. I'm. I'm. I probably should. You know, record them and review them and and make notes. But I'm, I I just hate them. They're so political and biased and everything else. Anyway. I, I was kind of up earlier than expected on Sunday and didn't have a lot going on. And I, I caught this. This was on, um, what's the ABC show called? This Week, I think it's called. This Week. So they were covering the uh, the president being in um, at the G7 and uh, Hiroshima. They went to, the, the, the world leaders went to Hiroshima. Just listen to the beginning of this. Um, news package, uh, Martha Raddatz setting this up. Take a listen to this. President Biden and other G7 leaders laying wreaths at Peace Memorial Park in Hiroshima, the site commemorating the victims of the catastrophic U.S. atomic bomb attack in 1945 that led to the end of World War II. As our foreign correspondent Britt Clinton reports, it was a sobering backdrop for the G7 summit and a reminder in a time of global tensions of the lingering nuclear threat today. Wow, wow, that is a lot of propaganda in like 40 seconds. So the, um, the visitor, they, they put wreaths on this monument or memorial in Hiroshima, which is a very somber, serious place to the Japanese, and I understand that, I want to, preface what I'm going to say by obviously Hiroshima was a terrible thing for the people who were there okay um but World War II preceded Hiroshima I don't know if that maybe should have been worked in like we didn't just we didn't just go to Hiroshima and and destroy it in a vacuum years of Japanese atrocities aggression war mania a fixation on dominating the Pacific, torturing prisoners, the rape of Nanking, atrocities in Manchuria and Korea. I mean, come on. It's not like... She makes it sound like we perpetrated a tragedy. What, did we drop it on them accidentally? You know what I don't understand? Can I just digress for a minute? I really don't understand. If you listen to the left, World War II is the only good war. It was the only, you know, it was the last good war, the only good war because of Hitler, right? Why was World War II good when we were fighting Hitler, but bad when we were fighting Japan? Why is it that everything we did in the name of fighting Hitler, and we were destroying cities and we were firebombing Dresden and all the rest, why was that okay? But... In the case of Japan, the Pacific theater of the war, they attacked us. They committed numerous um, provocations leading up to Pearl Harbor, and then they did Pearl Harbor. Again, I say this with no malice toward the the modern-day nation and people of Japan. I love them. But this is so ridiculous, this framing of World War II. It was all World War II. The Japanese and the Germans were allies. Okay? And the fact is, when we dropped the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and then a couple of days later, three days later, Nagasaki, and by the way, the the debate 
often is more about the second one than the first one. Like, did we just need one? I'll get to that in a minute. But when we got to that point that the bombs were ready and could be used against Japan, Germany had already been defeated and had surrendered. The war was over. I don't know if we would have used them in Europe. I just read an interesting book about the development of the atomic bomb, and the author made the argument he doesn't think they would have because he doesn't think that the military leaders wanted to use them in Europe, but the military leaders, some of them didn't want to use them at all. There was, a, of course, a great debate. Should we just say we have it? Should we demonstrate it somewhere? Should we share it with other countries? Which ultimately we did, but not by design, by espionage. I'll just say this. ABC could have told that story 99 other ways that would have had some context and instead told it in the way that makes the United States look the worst it could possibly look. And normally they, they pull this malarkey around the anniversary of the atomic bombings, which is in August, but they couldn't resist. They had the opportunity because of the G7. And then, let, let me play some more of this, because then they, they bring it around to present day. So keep playing it, Don, from where we left off. In a place that understands the horrors of war, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky paying respects ah, to the victims yes. of the first nuclear attack in history. So now we're up to Zelensky. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't we given him billions of dollars of aid? Haven't we just recently agreed to do the fighter pilot uh, training? These people can't decide whether they abhor war or can't wait for another one. I mean, if, if we're supposed to be focusing on the horrors of nuclear war, why are we backing into a war with the other major nuclear power in the world? Why are we doing that? And by the way, if you believe we should, I, I can respect that. I don't agree with you, but I can respect that. But at least you would be saying that out loud. You would be saying, you know, Jack, this is really a war between us and Russia, and we need to, we need to do this. I, I will listen to that. I will entertain that argument. I will debate that. But that's not what our leaders or our media mavens are doing. They are having it both ways. Oh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, just awful. But Zelensky, great. And so I guess my question to Martha Raddatz and the, the people of ABC News, what are you willing to do? For Ukraine like what 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 is your limit would you send your kids to fight would you uh would you know are is that is it worth sending Americans and, and including your own children if adult children because it sounds to me like we're just doing exactly what we've done before like with Vietnam where it was a great idea when we weren't going to be involved 
And then when it wasn't going so well, we needed to get a little more involved, and then we needed to get a little more involved, and then we started doing things that just a, a matter of months earlier we had said we would never do. And then all of a sudden, one day in like 1965, oh, you know, there's half a million Americans in Vietnam. What? When did that happen? I'm telling you, I know, I know historical analogies and stuff can be very sloppy. This really has that feel. Back to Hiroshima, though. So, again, I, I, I admire the modern nation of Japan. I know they're an ally. They're, they're a democracy. I, I, I'm good with the Japanese people. I have, I have many friends. I just don't like it when this gets couched without context. Okay, so Hiroshima was not a tragedy because a tragedy is something that no one intended we attacked Japan with a new weapon that was designed to end a war they seemed unwilling to end. And lo and behold, the first one didn't do it, but the second one, when they realized, we don't know how many these, of, of these things the Americans have. By the way, at that point, we only had the two, but they didn't know that. We don't know if there's more of these coming. We don't know if this is going to happen every day. We don't know if they're going to hit our national treasures, cities like Kyoto and Tokyo. We could lose everything. We could lose our culture. We could lose our history. We could lose the emperor. The second one really did it. Of course it was terrible. It was a terrible place to be. Hiroshima was a terrible place to be. And and they interview in the in the ABC piece, they interview this lady and she's remembering how awful it was, and she's emotional. It's very, it's very moving. I respect that. When we were in school, we had to read the book Hiroshima. You might have had to read it, too. It was assigned reading. It was very moving. They wove together all these stories of survivors and eyewitness accounts and what have you. It was a terrible place to be. Pearl Harbor was a terrible place to be. Nanking was a terrible place to be. Korea was a terrible place to be. Manchuria was a terrible place to be. The, the Bataan Death March was a terrible place to be. World War II was a terrible place to be. World War II perfected the mechanized, high-tech butchering of human beings. But the atomic bombings ended the war. And frankly, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it. A monument to the atomic bombings should be a celebration of peace and victory because it ended a terrible war. I, it, it is not a place we have to be abject and apologetic about. Because again, you can't tell me what, what, what would be the right number of people that would need to die if that war keeps going on. How many more Americans needed to die? Did not enough die? How many more Allied airmen? How many more sailors? How many more invade, if we had to invade the home islands of Japan, which thankfully we didn't do? They projected a million casualties. And a war that would last well into the late 1940s. So a ABC can stuff that report. But they never miss a chance, right? Never miss a chance. Run down this country.
President Biden and other G7 leaders laying wreaths at Peace Memorial Park in Hiroshima, the site commemorating the victims of the catastrophic U.S. atomic bomb attack in 1945 that led to the end of World War II. As our foreign correspondent Britt Clinton reports, it was a sobering backdrop for the G7 summit and a reminder in a time of global tensions of the lingering nuclear threat today. Now, the lingering nuclear threat is not coming from us, <laughs> okay? Um, but I, if there is one, and I mean, over the years, right, it's changed. Sometimes they used to talk about, oh, what if the terrorists get a nuclear bomb and a terrorist suitcase uh, nuke and all that stuff. The, the current threat, as I understand it, the, the only talk I know of going on right now is this war between Russia and Ukraine, which people like Martha Raddatz are shaking their pom-poms for. And whatever side of it you're on is fine, but just let, let's be clear that if we're supposed to be soberly considering the nuclear threat, then maybe backing into a war with Russia is not something to be taken casually. I seriously doubt that any of these political or media cheerleaders would send their own kids to fight for Ukraine. I seriously doubt that. Don't you? And where have we seen this kind of hypocrisy before? Where it's okay for other people's kids, just not theirs. 210-599-5555. Jimmy's on the radio. Jimmy, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Good talking to you. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to congratulate you on your analysis for the Hiroshima atomic catastrophe i do know some history and i believe that there was very strong consideration given into dropping a third bomb had the emperor not actually surrendered they didn't have a third one they might have considered it but they didn't yet have one they used the only two that they had right i recognize that but they were in the middle of deciding whether they were going to actually put forth a third one or yeah, not. Yeah, I think they would have I think they would have had to keep surrender. doing it. Yeah, I think they I think they probably would have had to keep doing it because the whole point well, was to not go in and have to invade and occupy those islands. That's correct. Well, thank you for the analysis. Jimmy, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh Chris is on the Jack Riccardi show on KTSA. Hi Chris. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot, Jack. Love your analysis most of the time. This is one point maybe we Maybe we don't agree. And the reason I don't agree about the comparison of Hiroshima to Pearl Harbor is that Pearl Harbor was a military base and a, and a valid military target. Mm-hmm. Hiroshima and the other city, to- Tokyo, those were Nagasaki. Cities. Sorry, you're correct. Not, not Nagasaki. And Well, and okay, those, I'll, those, I'll agree those, with you that Pearl Harbor was a military cities. target, Chris, but, but I would say to you, Nanking was not a military target. Korea was not a military target. Uh, Manchuria was not a military target. I'm not saying, the nurses I'm not that were killed in the Philippines either. were not military targets. So the, the treatment of the either. treatment of the treatment of people in hospitals, uh, the experiments on live uh, POWs. Uh, uh, see, I you can you can pick out but Pearl Harbor if you Pearl want, Harbor but the rest a, of it wasn't a valid place to be. Avoids the point that the no, I'm, I'm not. Of, I, I, I will agree that Pearl Harbor is a military target, but you're not is no good, and it's a military. You're not. Crime. You're not. You're not. 
I guess you're not listening to me, I guess. I'll just listen to you. Go ahead. So the deliberate targeting of, of, of a city, how is that not a military crime? A crime against humanity. Because they had their munitions factories in their cities, number one. Because number two, in both World War One and World War Two, cities became targets. They were bombed by both sides. You know that. Yeah, that doesn't. Yes, sir. I, yes, sir. I do. But I'm talking about this instance, and not. And I. And I'm not validating any of those other instances. The, the application of force by a country needs to be taken seriously. One one final. I know I don't have all. Well, let me say this, Chris. Let me say this, and I'll let you finish. Okay, I know you have something else to say. If you wanted to debate whether or not, in the conduct of the war, only military bases or vessels uh, should be targeted and not cities, which I think is maybe what you're saying, then that's a different discussion that belies the reality of that war. So if that's something you want to say, that's my position, that in war you should, you should never attack your opponent's cities or civilian population centers, that's, that's fine. The reality of this war is that that's how it was fought and that Japan intentionally located uh, factories producing military goods in their cities so that we would not be able to break out and separate civilian casualties from uh, war production. So that was a choice they made. I, I would again point out to you, they brought this war on themselves. So the price they paid, which was very dear, was one they chose to pay. They, they brought the war on themselves. The, the final point I'll, I'll bring up is that while I'm not saying unilaterally you can't attack a city because if the if a person chooses to do as as you've rightly said that you know you start moving military assets into those cities then those areas become valid targets the degree of overkill is is one thing i would bring up and anyone who's interested the american caesar i think it's page 364 or 365 macarthur himself said we did not need to drop that mm -hmm. terrible thing there definitely are very respected people there were there were people around roosevelt and truman that and even the scientists this book i just read called day of the bomb by dan kurzman uh reveals to me at least i did not know this that many of the scientists involved uh who were instrumental in developing it then had a change of heart and did not uh wish it to ever be used Th let, let me just tell you chris and it's not coming from me okay you're not you can think whatever you want of me. The reason they did not use a offshore target or a remote base is that the Japanese people would not have known. Their government would not have reported to them that somewhere out in the middle of the Pacific or at some far-flung military installation, let's say away from the home islands, there had been a new weapon. They would never have known. So that that's fine. Um, no, that's important because if you're trying to end the war, you need the pressure to be ratcheted up on the emperor and his cabinet. And the only way that happens is if the people of Japan themselves are brought face to face with what will be their fate if they don't surrender.
I think that's the assumption that there may not be time to debate, which is that that was the only way that it, it was going to okay. cost a two million a two million man army to go and invade. Um, there are others among uh, among MacArthur himself who was in a position to know that that mm-hmm. wasn't the only option. Yeah, there there definitely what you're right. There was yeah. definitely alternative uh, schools of thought. If you remember, though, the way I brought this up, and I I, I I I've enjoyed this debate you and I are having. But the way I brought this up was the, in my opinion, blatant propagandizing of the story by the ABC piece. It was not told in context. I think even you would agree that by August of 1945, there's a lot of context for that decision that's made. I understand you don't approve of it. You think it was a horrible decision, but you do understand the context in which it was made, right? Oh, sure. And there's other contexts we haven't even touched on. And, and I, so I think a, a company that calls itself the American Broadcasting Company maybe ought to provide a little of that before they, uh, you know, air 30 seconds of pure propaganda. It's a disservice. Yes, we, we agree about that. Einstein, I think he also did say, my greatest mistake. Okay. Chris, I'll agree to disagree with you on that, but I enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Talking on the JR poll about uh, do you support a Texas law banning children from drag shows, or maybe we should say banning drag shows from children. And we're at this point because there are so many adults so hell-bent on involving against our will the rest of us from, I guess, validating or observing or participating in their private fetishes. I, I, I know there's, you know, all kinds of colors in the crayon box. And there are people that need to do things and want to do things and enjoy doing things that I, I don't understand and I'm not meant to and I don't need to. As Dave Chappelle says, they're having their human experience. I don't have to justify it. I don't have it. They don't need my approval. I get that. And it used to be that they didn't care if we understood, right? Like, I don't care what you think. I'm doing it. What's different now is, and maybe it's the narcissism of social media, or I, I don't know. Um, we're not dealing with people that just want to live and let live anymore. Now we're dealing with people that demand everyone participate and be grateful for it and use the right pronouns and and nod with approval and bring their families. And um, to me, it's incredible that that is a position any measurable number of people would take and defend. Like, that's crazy talk. Debating whether or not children should be in, in drag shows is like debating whether or not we should feed them. There, There isn't a, 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 like a valid other side to that 210-599-5555 we we talked about this a little bit on friday there's uh, i'm not a big tennis fan but this just kind of struck me as weird or funny i guess not funny but the former number one women's tennis player in the world is um in trouble and has been suspended for a doping accusation. Uh, She's a Romanian tennis player, and she allegedly flunked her test.
Now, I, I think most of us would agree that if you use performance-enhancing drugs or you have banned substances in your bloodstream, it distorts the sportsmanship, the fairness, the, you know, it, it, it pollutes the, the, the noble nature of the competition. How much longer are we going to be able to cling to that idea if we are letting men play women's sports? Like, at that point, where does the we're trying to protect the integrity of competition go? Because that's a decision that's entirely about making the guy that wants to wear the, you know play the women's sport feel good and included and validated. That's the only reason you're doing that. So I would think the defense of this woman could be, well, if, if men can play women's sports, then women with stuff in their bloodstream can play women's sports. Get back to me when you've cleaned out the other thing, and then I'll play it straight on my end. Again, I'm not trying to change the rules about drugs. I get it. I support that. But it it, it seems like a ridiculous position to me. And it seems like there's more and more. We see people that we know know better uh, proclaiming and defending positions that are absurd not just i disagree i have a different viewpoint but you, you can't really mean that you can't, you can't possibly actually believe that and people do or claim to 210 599 and then we were talking about this uh abc this week story uh where they were uh looping the hiroshima monument the peace memorial, into their reporting on the G7, and there's uh, Vladimir Zelensky laying a wreath with the G7 leaders, and ABC is, you know, uh, speaking in hushed, mournful tones about the tragedy of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The war was a tragedy, but ending it, and preventing further suffering and bloodshed was not. It, it was, as our last caller, Chris, pointed out, it was certainly a position people debated. We weren't all of one mind about this in 1945. We're not all of one mind about it in 2023, and I get that. But if you're going to report on Hiroshima, you can't only report on Hiroshima. You you have to put the context on it of, well, here's what led up to it. Here's what was going on. There was this this war that went on for several years, and we didn't know that it was going to end, or if it was going to end, or how it was going to end. And it's just weird to me that the same media who have absolutely no problem with the firebombing of German cities and the conventional bombing of Japanese cities, this one uh, or two, these two uh, incidents, these two chapters of the war, which were not the worst nights of casualties, incidentally, these are in a different category. You know, I'd like to ask Martha Raddatz, I'm sure she knows that at the time we were developing 
the atomic weapons at Los Alamos, the, the Russians had a program, the Germans had a program, Japanese had a little bit of a program, not very much. Their problem was more they couldn't get the materials. They had the scientists. Germany was quite a ways along. Russia was working on it. Who would you like to have seen win that race? To the breakthrough of the first two atomic bombs. I mean, realistically, we can abhor war, we can abhor the loss of life. Thank God it was the United States. It's not even close. It's not even debatable how much worse it would have been had it been Russia, had it been Germany, or Japan. Tim is on KTSA. Tim, good afternoon. Hi, Jack. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I didn't see the uh, ABC report, but I'm pretty sure they didn't point out we were bombing the heck out of Tokyo, and we were using incendiary bombs. And I believe, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but in a week or two, we would have killed more people mm-hmm. with firebombs than what we killed. There were nights. There were nights in Tokyo that killed more people than than the atomic bombs that, did. And that's that's what I was thinking. So, and the other thing is, people that want to say, like the the one caller that questioned, well, maybe why didn't we demonstrate the bomb offshore? They could only produce the uranium two thirty five right. and the plutonium so fast. I, right. It would have been probably months before we yes. would have had another bomb. So you. You couldn't just sit out there and demonstrate. Well, and you couldn't depend on the right people to see it. You, you, you couldn't. Right. It wasn't like we could invite the Japanese cabinet to some viewing. We, we knew that even if they became aware of it, they wouldn't report it to their own people. It wasn't right. like the Japanese people could get their news from YouTube. So it, it, was, it was clear that to break the Japanese government, you had to force the issue on those home islands their you know their their uh, their last sanctuary they they were they were really preparing for an all out every man woman and child you know they were going to storm the tanks with sharpened wooden spears and th- it yeah. was going to be awful yeah they were going to have everybody involved and even after the second bomb the military leaders still did not i mean the emperor conceded but the the military yeah. leaders were it was were very touch and go yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah. Tim, thank you. I appreciate it. I think that I think those are good. Yeah, no, I think those are good points. There, there was again, there was a lot of debate. There was ample. If it if it makes you feel better, our leaders of the time wrestled with this. They heard and uh, entertained alternative suggestions. Um, I I don't know that we'll never know how it would have played out if they had done it differently, but I do know that what they did quickly brought to an end the worst war this planet has ever seen. And we need to at least offer that context with whatever else we want to say. It was a horrible place. Hiroshima was a horrible place to be. The people who died and suffered in Hiroshima didn't deserve that. But they lived under a regime that brought that onto them. And that had to be broken. 
And, uh, you know, it, it, again, if you want to have a discussion about how wars should be fought, I, I don't know who you would have that with. Because when war starts, when war breaks out, governments play to win. So if you want to, if you want to discuss ways you could, you know, pull your punches and stuff, I guess you can have that discussion. I don't think you'll see it play out in the real world. You can look at Ukraine and Russia for proof of that. There's an expression, F around and find out. Maybe you've heard of it. Well, I, I think we're talking about the original F around and find out. You know, um, the calculation that Japan's fanatical military leaders made was that if they punched us in the face at Pearl Harbor, we would not want a war. We would be tied down in Europe. We would be more occupied with that, interested in that. It was a, it, they, they rolled the dice, but they were wrong. We came back from that attack much more quickly than they thought we would. We responded much more robustly and with much more commitment than apparently they thought we would. Um, and it didn't end well for them. And some of their leaders knew months into the war they were doomed. But they couldn't win that argument. The other thing that I, I guess I, I respect different points of view, I do, but I get a little heated when people start saying, well, we could have done this and we could have done that. You know, to live in this country in the 1940s was to see cars and cadres of uniformed men walking up the front walks and the driveways of people's houses to tell them that their son, the apple of their eye, or their husband was dead. And that was happening on every street, in every neighborhood, in every part of this country, every day, every week. So the America of 1945 did what the America of 1945 needed to do. Period. And you should be grateful that you're not under the conditions they were under. You're not having those people walking up your neighbor's front walk and you hoping they won't come to your house next or getting that telegram. It's easy to sit here now and say what we say, but they were living it, and people were living it. People that hadn't asked for any of this were living it. People like you and me were living it. Well, you're the guy to ask this because I guess I was confused. I thought Ezekiel Elliott was going to sign with Buffalo. <laughs> Was that a rumor, or did I? I don't know why anybody would sign Ezekiel Elliott for a bottle of wine and a basket I, of cheese. I, I know how you. Yeah, I know you're not a big uh, you're not a big Zeke guy. No, was, I saw a story today that said he was spotted uh, at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, practice facility, and they're all you know excited about the possibility of him being a Steeler. Do you, do you have any idea where he's going? Or I have none. I. I've seen the occasional rumor. I don't think there's a lot of demand. You're looking at a goal line back at this yeah. point. These are yeah. not the guys who are going to go early. They're not going to get big money. Um, I'm not saying he's totally worthless, but you know, being a Cowboys follower, you, you just saw this meteoric rise coming into the NFL, mm. and it dropped, and it dropped, yeah. and it dropped. And yeah. what's left, Jack? I don't know. Yeah. Some, I he's you. probably going to play somewhere, but yeah. eh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a that sounds like a good uh, a good analysis. Um, I saw today. This is the uh, anniversary today in 1990, Christian, mm -hmm. of Microsoft releasing Windows 3.0. Is that right? So I had I was about to graduate high school. Wow, no. 
And and Ooh. just as a side note, Christian is using Windows 3.0 in our newsroom right now. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> pretty close. I Sounds like a joke, it. but it's probably pretty close. <laughs> I'm running it on a 286. All right. So do you remember the story we had about um, veterans being thrown out of residential hotel, motel situations to make way for or make room for illegal immigrants in upstate New York, and it was a big controversy, and, and it, was, it was cited as proof of how badly New York is dealing with this whole thing, New York State. Well, now uh, it is starting to look like the woman that blew the whistle on that made it up. Her name is Sharon Tony Finch. She's with a foundation, a nonprofit. She claimed that she was the one scrambling to find new housing for these poor and low-income veterans. Uh, they get housing assistance from this nonprofit, which is contracted with the state. So they were placed by her group in these motels, and she claimed that the state came and evicted her her clients, these vets. Um, a, a state assemblyman, a Republican named Brian Marr, who represents the area in which she says this happened, uh, said, well, I, I want to see the paperwork, and she wouldn't show it to him. And he and his staff began to smell something fishy. And uh, finally, he conf- this is according to the New York Post, finally he confronted her and said, did you make it up? And she more or less, in so many words, said, well, I was trying to get more help and attention for the veterans. So he is now severing his ties with this group, and he's calling on the state to investigate this group that Sharon Tony Finch so it, 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 it sounds like maybe that did not happen, and I'm relieved to hear that. That's, that's good. Yeah, so I said at the beginning of the show, I, this Senate Bill 12, which is the, the restricting children from drag shows and sexually explicit performances, to me, we, we are living in bizarro universe that we are doing this in the state of Texas because I can remember, and I'm sure you can too, when this would not have been a bill or even a debate. Drag shows, such as they are, are inappropriate for children. They are adults living their best life, doing what they do. I'm not not interested in interfering with it, but I'm not interested in supporting it, affirming it, giving value to it. You do you. But it's, it's inappropriate for children. Now, here's my dilemma. I support the bill because I absolutely don't think kids should be seeing drag shows. But what are you going to do with parents? And we had a, we had a caller, uh, Esteban, mentioned this in the 4 o'clock hour. What do you do with parents that think this is a cool, hip thing to take their kids to? <laughs> I mean, I, and then somebody asked me a good question. They said, well, why don't these parents who think that their kids ought to see drag performers, why don't they also take their kids to like a gentleman's club? I mean, if your idea of human sexuality is it's all good, they're all just different color crayons in the box, then why wouldn't you bring your kids to all of those things? 
Maybe I'm giving them an idea. Maybe they do or they will. I don't know. 210-599-5555. Do we need a law? We shouldn't, but apparently we do. Now, don't be distracted when you hear this debate or this news story. Don't be distracted by the, pardon the pun, drama queens, I guess literally, who go into this whole spiel about drag is art and it's expression and it's powerful and it's just like ballet and painting and, you know, we... There is no popular support. There is no groundswell to take it away from you. You can have your art, your expression, without involving children. Millions of people do hundreds and hundreds of different activities in their free time with other consenting adults and they don't make it or force it or try to involve children in it because they have common sense, not because there's a law, because they just know. And the drag performers and those promoting them know. They know. It's, it's not like we're watching Mrs. Doubtfire, Okay. So the distraction is going to be, you're against the art, you're against the expression of the human spirit. No, I'm really not. I just think kids should be able to grow up and once they're adults, decide what they want to do with themselves and how they want to spend their time. You can't tell me they need it. You can't tell me it's vital to their education or their upbringing. You can't tell me it's a field trip. And I'm frankly just kind of amazed that we're even having to discuss it. I guess. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you think, and I, I don't mean to sound like I'm not. I guess it sounds like I'm saying don't call. I, no, I mean, let's talk about it. 210-599-5555. It's just mind-blowing that there would even be two sides to this. You know, if there's two sides about should we have term limits or if there's two sides about should we have an income tax, I get that. I mean, that's legit. You know, there's there's good points on both sides, and I can see where people come to the other point of view. I can even, you know, I can understand my political opposites. I know how people become enamored of, like, socialism, let's say. I, I get it. But, boy, this one, I, 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 it's not making any sense to me. It's just weird. And, again, I don't buy that if we can't have children at drag shows if the state somehow intervenes, prevents, punishes, oh, well, that will be the end of free expression and artistic expression. No, it won't. Tell it to somebody who believes it. Uh, do you support a new Texas law that would ban children from drag shows, criminalize both the performers and the promoters of drag shows where children were in attendance? Um, should we even have to do that? Apparently we do. I uh, I find the conflation of what children should be able to do with what adults should be able to do really interesting. And I guess because it works, it's being used with everything. 
So it works like this. Grown-ups who can do what they want to do, because that's the, you know, the number one benefit of being a grown-up, are hiding behind and, I guess you could say, using children to get more latitude and approval, access, maybe mainstreaming, you know, buy-in for their stuff. So whether it's the trans community, whether it's the drag community, all of a sudden it's incredibly important to talk about the children, to involve the children. And they've succeeded in confusing a lot of children. The, the numbers are staggering. Exponentially more young people today believe they are gender fluid or bi. There's no explanation for that that, that that matches the most obvious one, which is that the idea has been promoted and planted so efficiently that malleable young minds are now wondering about it. I mean... You might you might think when you were, let's say, 12 years old, that none of this would have had any appeal for you, but you're forgetting that teachers you admired and trusted and with whom you spend a lot of time would be promoting, would be teaching, would be asking you to confide in them. You would, you would be seeing your peers doing that. You would be seeing everyone around you, or you would think everyone around you was was questioning their sexuality. And in so doing, you might have been confused. So we're to believe that kids today are freer and that the baddies like the Republicans in Austin or Ron DeSantis are, are interfering with their freedom and their, their sexual awakening, but I think it's the other way around. I think there are adults that are trying to preserve Childhood. I think there are adults saying something very basic. Grow up first, then if you want to cut your boobs off, or your penis, or change your pronouns, I'm not going to stop you. Now, I I have an opinion about it, but you probably aren't interested in it if you're going to do that, and I won't bother you with my opinion. But grow up first. This seems like a very basic thing. It is a very basic thing. Um, Not long ago, do you remember this? There was a universal condemnation of of, um, genital mutilation. It was being done primarily in the Arab world. And politicians and rock stars and actors and actresses were tripping over each other to denounce it. And it was denounced in the strongest, most scoldy terms. How did some of those same people become supporters of children in the United States? mutilating their genitals. It's interesting. I think I know the answer. I think it starts with an M. 
and it rhymes with honey. 210-599-5555. All right, you want to hear a conspiracy theory? Okay. Conspiracy theory. There is a concerted attempt by... I'm, 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 I'm giving you the theory now. I'm not saying this, okay? I'm, I'm relating the theory to you, and then I'll tell you what I think of it. The theory is that there is a concerted effort to kill conservative talk radio by eliminating AM radios in cars in the new EV era that we're embarking on. And the truth is that a number of car makers have already said they will stop equipping their EVs with um, AM pretty much immediately. I think Ford has said that. And then from there, people think, well, because there's you know, common components and you try to use the same stuff across your whole lineup, you're not just going to eliminate them in your EVs. If you eliminate them, you're going to eliminate them across the board because you're going to want to use the same radio or, or rig or, or equipment in your, in your gas-powered vehicles, such as they still are, as you will in your, in your EVs. And this is about the issue of shielding components, and if you don't, the electric motor may cause interference with AM reception, so you have to, you have to use extra stuff to uh, to shield it from the inter- interference, and from there the argument goes, well, you know, younger people aren't really listening to AM, and do we really need it anymore, and so forth and so on. Obviously, you can imagine we take a keen interest in this, in the radio business. So the theory is, they're saying it's about electric vehicles and interference, but what they're really trying to do is kill conservative talk radio. Now, the pushback from... Radio has been, oh, you can't do that. People really need AM radio because that's where people get uh, weather alerts and emergency information. There's a bill in the Congress now being uh, sponsored by a variety of Democrats and Republicans. To give you an idea of how far-reaching this is, Ted Cruz and Ed Markey are both sponsors of this bill in the Senate. It's the only time they've ever agreed on anything. It's called the AM for Every Vehicle Act, and it would force the car companies to continue putting AM in the cars. So the theory goes that if you were in a place with a tornado or a hurricane or a natural disaster or even a man-made disaster, if cell towers were down, if the Internet got cut off, AM radio is still a reliable source of emergency information. That's true. Um, but there's an even better argument, which is that if you ended AM radio, you wouldn't just end talk radio. In fact, talk radio is already thriving on live stream and FM. What you would end is a lot of Spanish-language radio, and in other parts of the country, other ethnic groups that are very dependent on a local AM radio station broadcasting, perhaps in Greek or, you know, pick your foreign language. Uh, out on the West Coast, you have Asian, you know, Asian language radio stations. These are mostly AM. 
And then you have uh, black and gospel stations that are still mostly AM. You are killing them. Their audiences are not able to choose an FM frequency as an alternative. There isn't one. They may not be streaming, or the streaming may not be something that, that those users necessarily uh, are comfortable with or use. So I, I think there's a better argument to be made for saving it. Now, as to the conspiracy theory that it's intended to kill conservative talk radio, I, I'm kind of undecided about that. The car companies are doing a lot of weird things right now. And I don't understand a lot of it. I was talking about this at lunch with a friend of mine last week who's a car buff like I am, and we were both, he's not in the car business, so we were just speculating, but it is inconceivable that the car companies are embracing this EV thing when their customers are clearly not ready for it, the infrastructure is not ready for it, uh, it's not what people want, at least not yet. And I, I guess I, I'm beginning to wonder if the people running these companies um, really know what they're doing. Not, not that I know everything, or I'm an expert, but um, a, a company like Ford cannot possibly know its customer base if they're even considering doing this. When you think about the the demographics of who's buying F-150s and Rangers, have they lost their minds? Do they think the whole country is Pete Buttigieg? (laughs) Do they think think the whole country is... um, It's almost like they think the whole country are the people in their ads. Have you noticed how so many businesses... In their television ads, you would think the only people that drink that beer or drive that brand are these young urban hipsters. That's it. That's the only, those are the only people that exist. But that's not the real world. And it just looks like they're doing a lot of things right now that are very um, self-destructive. Maybe they're being, maybe their hand is being forced by the powers that be. I don't know. Maybe it is a conspiracy. I don't think it will kill conservative talk radio. I'm quite sure it won't, in fact. But I have to, I have to scratch my head at what they're doing. And um, we'll see if they, uh, this congressional effort wins the day or not. You know, if you think about it, this is another thing, like we were talking about with the drag queen bill. We really shouldn't, Congress really shouldn't be making laws about what car companies put in their cars. That, that's really not what we want. Even when you disagree with a decision, I would rather live in a world where they they design and build their cars, and if they screw up, they lose, and they go out of business. Not good with Congress. There's way too much government intervention and regulation and dictate. So ideally, no, we, we shouldn't have this, this bill. But we'll see where it goes. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit. I'll tell you what it's like to work in radio and have stories like this story about 
uh, eliminating AM radios from electric cars. Um, when you work in radio, you are constantly hearing the prediction of the demise of radio. The, 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 this station celebrated 100 years on the air last year. I'll bet, no exaggeration, I'll bet 70 of those 100 years, people were saying radio's dead, radio's going to die, radio's going to be replaced, movies are going to kill radio, television's going to kill radio, Uh, MTV is going to kill radio, cable news is going to kill radio, the internet's going to kill radio. Social media, YouTube, you know, I mean, it's just on and on, streaming, Pandora, you name it. It's, we, we can't be arrogant or cocky. We have to be realistic. We have to protect our industry. But I got to tell you, we've heard this many, many times. It's never come true. There is something sort of resilient about it. My own theory, and I, I can't speak for anybody else, is that the people that run down or predict the demise or the elimination of radio forget what it feels like to be a radio listener and i'm not saying this because i do this because i was a radio listener long before i got into this business there is something very intimate and personal about listening to a person whether they're talking, playing songs, giving a sermon, talking sports, relating a baseball game to you, there's something you can th- th- that allows you to be alone but not alone, or alone but not lonely. It's intimate. It's it's warm. There's theater of the mind. Who hasn't listened to a ball game at night and been able to hear the, you know the cleats and the bat and the snap of the glove and smell the popcorn and hot dogs. and I mean, it's just, it's theater of the mind. And with all due respect to all these other things, radio still uniquely owns that. So radio will be dead if people decide they don't like that intimacy or don't need it. But other than that, I, I don't think it will be replaced by a technology or a political decision or a, a car company or, you know. And again, I don't say this to brag or to boast or to I'm mindful of all the things that could happen. I'm, I know that history is full of unexpected developments, but um, I, I, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made that, that even when the EVs are really rolling, uh, People will want the experiences they they want today, and the intimacy and the connection that they want today. And maybe we find different ways to get it to you, and maybe you find different ways to get it. And maybe there becomes a whole marketplace for retrofitting cars that don't have it with it. I think that would be funny. When I was a young man and I was first starting to drive, um, I had cars with AM radios but no FM. And we would go to the store, my friends and I, and we would buy these kits. And it was serious money for the for us in those days. It was like twenty nine dollars. Do you remember those FM converters, Don? You'd buy this little box, you'd bolt it to the bottom of your dashboard, 
you'd wire it to your AM radio, and you would get, uh, they give you a frequency, like if you tune your AM radio to such and such, you'll be able to listen to this FM converter. And, of course, we were young. We wanted FM. We wanted music of the kind you couldn't get on AM. Maybe, who knows, in X number of years, people will be buying AM converters to to put on. I don't know. I mean, maybe, right? It could happen. Stranger things have. 210-599-5555. You know, the other thing about EVs, when I think about it, I wonder at what point the people that are pushing EVs are going to turn on them. You know, we've seen it before. At one time, nuclear was the darling of the environmentalists. At one time, natural gas was the darling of the environmentalists. You know how they feel about those things now. And I would not be surprised, and it would be fitting... If the auto industry discovers, just as other industries before them have, that politicians and political movements are fickle. So, at some point, we're going to start hearing about the, um, you know, the discovery, quote-unquote, that building car batteries is terrible for the environment. That um mining and harvesting the precious metals that go into them involve child and slave labor and human rights violations galore and all of a sudden an ev won't be a, a symbol of uh you know good green citizenship it'll be a symbol of exploitation and human suffering greed now when that happens when that happens, and I, and I think it eventually will, they won't turn back to the gasoline-powered car. At that point, they'll say, we just can't have cars. So right now, they're telling you, we can't have gasoline-powered cars, but we can have electric cars. And what I'm saying is, at some point, they're going to say, you know what, we can't have these either. Just like they did with natural gas, just like they did with nuclear at one, at one time, those were going to be the energy sources. Those will be okay. That we can do. We can't do this other stuff. We can do that. And then they pulled that rug out from under you. Lucy pulled that football away from Charlie Brown. They're going to do it with EVs. I don't know when. I don't know how many years. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. You were talking about the FM converters just a moment ago. And you remember those? Oh, absolutely. I had a friend of mine, and oh. I thought that was the coolest, coolest thing at the time. But you, you can buy... If memory serves me right, you can buy these Bluetooth adapters that um, that will transmit FM radio mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. A, you know wireless, basically. Mm-hmm. It also has a wireless Bluetooth as well, and I think it fits into what we used to call the cigarette lighter. And right, uh, right. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if at some point, if they really do make this move on AM, would there be AM converters? At some point, I would I would think so because. Once, if that disappears, people will miss AM radio, I think, you know, especially. Well, what... e- even if it's aimed at getting rid of somebody like me, which it won't, <laughs> you're forgetting Spanish, you're forgetting gospel, you're forgetting black, you're forgetting uh, other ethnic, you're forgetting uh, rural areas where there may only be AM reception. I mean, there's parts of this country where there's no local radio station, period, 
And the only radio reception is probably a big city or the nearest big city AM signal that, that is the only thing that reaches that farm or that rural community. So you're cutting off a, way more people than they think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that on top of the weather argument and the emergency and civil defense, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very short-sighted decision if they do it. Look how many people are complaining that the newer vehicles today do not have uh, CD players. Right. And people still right. have a boxes in uh, boxes yeah. of, of uh, CDs. Yeah. And uh, I remember when Sean was buying a new, uh, a new vehicle or used vehicle, whatever, I think he was complaining because he could not find yeah. one to play his yeah. CDs. Cause, uh, yeah. So that's kind of part of the world we're in. It is the world we're in. Right now, people are wondering, is Jack just going to talk about radio on his show now? Is that what? Seems like his show is now a radio show about radio. Not sure how I feel about this. I'll 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 leave it there for now. I just had to let you in on what what was going on. You'd hear it from the inside. On the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, do you support a Texas law banning children from drag shows? One hundred percent said yes to that. I saw today in the news that um, did you hear this? Uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon is engaged. Did you hear this news? Uh, he recently got divorced, and he and his girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez, had been dating for about four years, and they are now engaged. Wish them well. I think we know where her... <laughs> I think we know where, where her gifts are coming from. Um, I, w- I would be impressed if Lauren Sanchez met and started dating Jeff Bezos before she knew who he was. Like, guys always wonder, I I don't have to worry about this, but guys with money or fame, ideally both, always have to wonder, is she with me because of me, or is she with me because of, you know, the loot, the goods? And... If you're Jeff Bezos, that would really be a conundrum, right? I mean, obviously she knew who he was, but it would be impressive to me if just like one time, one of these multi-billionaires went on like, you know, Plenty of Fish or what are some of the other ones? I can't think of the other names of the dating services. Uh, Kind of blanking on them. Don's not going to know. Older than I am. He's got somebody. He doesn't have to know. He's like, I'm not chiming in on this, Jack. Uh, but anyway, it'd be, it'd be impressive to me nope. if like, he, he was on a... Right. Yeah, it would be impressive if he was on like Facebook dating. And he met someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff. Yeah, I work in, uh, I work in the tech field. I, I, I started my own company. Yeah. I just, you know, meet up at like a, a Chili's or a... You know, a hula hands or something. But yeah, I mean, obviously she knew who he was, and so maybe he doesn't worry about that. Maybe guys at his level don't worry about that. Maybe it's maybe it's the guys somewhere between where he is and where I am, like somewhere where you've got, you know, you've got a nice car, you've got nice clothes, you've got it going on, and you just want to make sure that the person is choosing you. 
stripped away of all the other, not, not that we won't enjoy the good stuff, the nice things, but just you want to know that it's, they're choosing you. And I guess if you're Jeff Bezos, you're just going to have to take that on faith. So we wish them well. And they have not uh, set a date yet, but uh, they're currently celebrating their engagement on his $500 million yacht. (laughs) And why wouldn't you? I'll see you back here tomorrow live at 4 or find our podcast anytime at KTSA.com.